Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. And welcome back to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. Got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show is our season six finale featuring voices of survivors. In our survivor spotlight, Katie Joswicki. Young adult breast cancer survivor, a retail business consultant for Chevron, and a volunteer at I2Y San Francisco Bay Area. John Savia, young adult cancer advocate, the founder and president of Hillside Media Productions. And the one and only Lynn Lane, prostate cancer survivor, executive director, and founder of the Voices of Survivors Foundation. As a reminder, this broadcast that you are listening to right here, right now, is a program of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, who would like to thank our major sponsors for making this show possible each and every Monday. Online at i2y.com, we help young adults fight cancer every single day, and we're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs, because our generation deserves better. So hello, my friends, and welcome Yet another fun-filled and exciting romp to the hay on tonight's season finale of the Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. A Stupid Cancer welcome to any and all of our first-time listeners, including you folks coming back from the first descent retreat uh, here on the uh, Blog Talk Radio Network, broadcasting live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. My name is Matthew Zachary. I am a 14-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. Joining me live in the studio tonight, please welcome my official partner in crime here, a 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, acclaimed journalist, former deputy editor of TV Guide, and former entertainment news correspondent for the Fox News Channel, the lovely and talented Lisa Bernhard. Hello, hey, Lisa. Hello. Welcome back in studio. In studio, season finale. It's so great to have you here. It's great to be here. You improved the... It's of the room the minute you walk in. That's very kind. What will you say about me when I walk out? That Jack <laughs> decreases the aesthetics of the room. Our chief cancer anarchist, vice president of grassroots programming, Jack Buffard. Hello, Jack. Hi, guys. 
Hey, Jack. Hello, Lisa. Jack, Jack, still, oh. Jack still finds his way back <laughs> here every Monday. I have nothing else to say. Settle do. down, you two. He follows the breadcrumbs back. Yes, the trail. The trail. You know what, Matt? Yes. I'm really excited. You know why? Because I'm here. No, that's not why you should. Because you're touching my leg. <laughs> I'm nowhere that's near not you, Jack. Her. Yeah, that's Matt's hand. Oh, wait, so hold on. That was my hand. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. No way. Um, in addition to our fabulous guest tonight, we have a young adult survivor slash Jewish rapper in the house. We do in our special guests tonight. How hot um, is that? You may know him as Herbalist. You may know him as the Jewish rapper guy from Jersey. You might know him as the guy who kicks off the I2Y documentary film. Please welcome in studio Jesse Hershkowitz. What's good? What's good, cancer community? Herbalist here. Yes. This is Jesse's song. You might know this from the I2Y documentary film that is on our website, on our YouTube channel. And bro, I've known you how long now? Three years? Long time. Yep. Long time. Just about a week after my, uh, I finished chemo. Yep. Yep. Very nice. You know, this is actually my karaoke song. <laughs> and Herbalist and I are pleased to announce that we're going on tour. We're going to do a winter tour. We're going on the road as Herbalist and Mighty Whitey. You're not going to be Jack and Jew? Yeah. Jack's got a really cool juggling act that he does to open up the show. You know what? I like that Jack and Jew thing. Jack and Jew. But isn't Jack and Jew when you and I hit the road? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because Mighty Whitey is my rap name. Exactly. We should clarify for people that this is Herbalist with a U. With a U, yeah. 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 Not, not like peaches and herb. Right, right. Exactly. Right, Herbalist. Yeah. Not, not like the, as the first it, it at one point in time was Herbalist, spelled with an H, but I got right? tired. It was herbalist spelled with an H. You were using the wrong herbs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the right one. <laughs> Not to be confused with the herbs that people had to find at Burger King in the late 80s. Remember that ad campaign? Oh, my God, herb. I can't believe you Find herb that. at McDonald's. I was like... Only a McDonald's devotee. I know, it's Burger King, not Burger King. I can't believe I remember herb. Burger King, whatever. You're too young for that. Remember that. Lisa well, remembers. That was back in her college well, days. We, it was we, like 1987. We, we have to welcome back uh, also um, our lovely broadcast production assistant, um, young adult survivor Amanda Freeman, who just spent the last week in paradise at a first descent retreat. She's fierce. Hello, hello. And for you listeners out there that are not familiar, First Descent is the nation's premier young adult cancer retreat organization. They send survivors to um, kayaking trips and mountain climbing. And, and tell us a little bit about what uh, where'd you go and what you do. Um, well, I spent the week in uh, northwestern Montana, just outside uh, Glacier National Park, and. Um, yeah, we uh, started out in kayaks and uh, ended up in kayaks, and we started out on still water, and it got progressively uh, more hairy, and it was pretty awesome. Did and you it, flip over? Um, a lot, yeah. It was, <laughs> She's an honest lady, It folks. was amazing. It, it was totally worth it. Um, I was terrified on day one, but by Friday I was... So you dunked a lot, like you were talking underwater all the way around, like all the way around, like hanging out, waiting for someone to rescue me, shaking in the like thirty-five degree water. (laughs) Holy cow! First ascent, ladies and gentlemen. And and what what was your first ascent nickname? It was Zesty. And I know why. You know they make like soda crackers (laughs) called Zesty, don't you? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Were you zestfully cleaned by the end of the week? Um, no one's going to get that reference, Jack. Yeah. 
So you had a helmet. You were all geared out. Oh, yeah. You're in a, a dry suit, a helmet, life preserver. You get and who else? a really else? hot skirt to wear. Skirt? Yeah, it like goes around the boat so that water doesn't get in. Oh, or a spray the, skirt. Like a boat skirt. Not like a I've skirt. been chasing spray skirts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to start this. All the way up and down yeah, the river. Right. Yeah, yeah. So did you make some nice friends? Who else was there? Oh, um, my God. I really hate to interrupt this program, but I just received an urgent notice from Anya Cohn in I2Y, Ohio. This has got to get, I got to pump some music here. I know know what you're going to say. You have no idea what I'm going to say. Yes, because I knew before you did. Oh, then you suck. All right, well, I have to play this then because this is really, this is, I'm so pumped right now. You have no idea what I'm about to announce except Jack does. I do, but I'll keep my mouth shut. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We recently conducted our very first bar crawl, the Crawl for Cancer Ohio in Columbus. And I just received word that we raised $18,106. Ow! That's a lot of booze. That's a lot of booze, ladies and gentlemen, for the first Crawl for Cancer. I2Y Ohio owning this moment right now. I'll say that again, $18,106. Are they still standing? This is a challenge for you for you in your state to get more drunk and raise more money. Yes. If you want to host a crawl for cancer in your city and raise us $18,000, you get in touch with me, Matthew, Zachary, MZ at I2Y.com, or Jack Buffard, Jack at I2Y.com. 18000 $106. Thank you, Anya Cohn, Aaron Spicer, Carolyn Conco, I2Y Ohio, kicks ass. Now, to tie it all into what I said earlier, Lisa's bar tab in college was $18,106. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. I have to, I didn't, man, I'm so sorry to have to interrupt, but was that worth it? This just made my Monday. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. That's master, good stuff. That's Master Chuggers right there. I have to, I, I have to change my pants. I'm sorry. I really um, do. Um, TMI? You haven't even been drinking any white. No, pants. not even remotely. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. That's great. So, thank you, Ohio. Yes. Thank you, Ohio. Thank you, Ohio. It's not well, often that I thank Ohio, but thank you, Ohio. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't thank them for the last few elections, <laughs> right? Except, no, except for Cleveland. We can thank Ohio except for Cleveland. Why? The mistake by the lake, right? Is that what they call it? I don't know. Yes. My brother lives in Cleveland, so... Yeah, go tell him. Your go tongue. tell Chris, exactly. <laughs> or is that Joe? No, Chris lives in Ohio. Okay, Chris. Right. Well, it is, it is 9-11. I want to get to our Survivor Spotlight because I know she has to go. She's on the deadline. So um, let's, uh, let's just cue this up, and we'll get to the news afterwards. What time is it? All right, it is 9-11. And in our Survivor Spotlight tonight is Katie Joswicki, a breast cancer survivor who has never been shy about her cancer, and that is true. I can attest to that. She was diagnosed while completing her MBA at UT Austin, and she lives up to her first descent nickname as a alumni first descent, which is called Nomad. It's her nickname. She has uh, lived in Oakland, London, and is moving to Houston. She's a corporate geek by day and a cancer advocate with each spare moment. And she's helping with I2Y, San Francisco chapter. She volunteers with First Attempt as an alumni. 
She's very active with the Bay Area Young Survivors Group and the Pink Ribbon Cowgirls. And she spends her winters snowboarding and collaborating with the Boarding for Breast Cancer Group. Apparently, she she has nothing to do with her life. She's just a boring person. Katie Joswicki, everybody. Hey, Katie. What up, Nomad? Hello, Hello, Nomad. Hello, hello, hello. What's up, yo? How you doing? How you doing? Are you as excited as I am about our news? I'm wicked excited. I was especially excited to know you had brought more than one pair of pants tonight. Wait, how does someone from San Francisco know the proper use of the word wicked? (laughs) Because I grew up in Boston. Oh, I know. That wasn't in your bio. I just saw Oakland and London and Houston. And Katie Katie Matthew doesn't bring another pair of pants. He just sits here in his underpants. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah. Lovely. the, The pants have to come off because if you wet your pants and you forget to bring a spare pair of pants you got to put on the old ones, and they have to stay dry somehow. Or you could just freeball it. <laughs> just follow my while. logic. Oh, I like freeballing. Freeballing is awesome. Hey, according to Billy Madison, all the cool kids pee their pants. <laughs> Damn straight. Damn straight. So, Katie, yeah. you've, met, you've met these knuckleheads, but we haven't met. No, oh. I've never met Jack. Yeah, you know why, Nomad? Oh. Because when I'm in your part of the country, you're in my part of the country. Yeah, that's true. Vice versa. That is true. <laughs> So congratulations, though. Keep that streak going. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to Boston in a few weeks, probably. Maybe. I'll see you there. So, Katie, share your story. One breast cancer survivor to another. Let's hear uh, your diagnosis and what all went down. Well, yeah, I was in business school, and I was at a job conference in Atlanta. And I was a little bit tipsy, and I was just having a little wash-up after a long day, and... I was washing my boobs, and I felt something not normal. And pretty much I knew right away that something big was going on. And, you know, I have an atypical story. A lot of young survivors, especially, you know, breast cancer survivors, have gone to doctors who said, oh, no, you're too young. No, it couldn't be. And I'm also a hypochondriac, so I'm pretty used to going into a doctor and someone saying, no, 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 go home, Katie. Yep, you're just late for that. So that's not what happened. I mean, I went to my health center, and the doctor there was, well, the nurse practitioner was like, wow, you need to go and call the surgeon. I took the list of surgeons, and uh, I called the first guy on the list, and he could see me in like a week and a half. And I was walking back across campus, and I ran into a friend of mine, and I was totally freaking out. Like, what am I supposed to do for a week and a half? How, you know, how am I supposed to wait around, not knowing, blah, blah, blah. And my friend said, Katie, call the second doctor on the list. Oh. <laughs> and so I called that guy, and uh, he ended up being my surgeon. Um, I did all my treatment in Austin. I had a lumpectomy. I did chemotherapy and radiation. And I went from about October 06 when I was diagnosed to finishing treatment in May uh, 2007, three days before I graduated from business school. Wow, so this was something, so it sounds like it was pretty, it grew up sort of pretty quickly that you all of a sudden felt something that you knew felt bad. It kind of was there, not there one day and there the next, it sounds like. I guess. I mean, one doctor said to me once it could have been in there for five years, yeah. um, but I, I just don't know. I mean, it wasn't something I'd noticed before. It wasn't something my... You know, my sort of yearly exams had been picked up before, but it, it was pretty obvious feeling. I tell you that. Yeah. 
Well, that was at least good that you had doctors that were very responsive and not dismissive to you at all. Totally. Yeah. And so you were how old? You were in business school, so... I was 31. 31. Okay. So how are you doing now? These days I'm pretty good. You know, health-wise, I just managed some long-term side effects. I've got some thyroid issues and weight maintenance issues, some related to taking the tamoxifen. But, you know, I really just do my best to really hardcore manage my diet and exercise. I've signed up for the Houston Marathon, and I got a, right. it has a m- maximum time of six hours, so I it can't just, like, plod along like I have in half marathons I've done before. I'm going to have to train and really get up my pace. So when you, let me ask you, how, how uh, big was the lump that you have, and were you... Uh, given an option for mastectomy versus lumpectomy, I'm sort of curious uh, these days. I mean, more often lumpectomies are recommended, but what was your situation in terms of your size and and what they uh, recommended to you, or did they give you the options, or did they just say lumpectomy looks like the way to go? You know, mine was just over two centimeters, and I was given a choice, and... The reason why I went with lumpectomy was primarily to maintain that ability to choose later because I wasn't ready to commit. I'm a little afraid of commitment um, to the mastectomy. So I went with the lumpectomy knowing if later in life I still wanted to lop it off, I could. But did they give you, did they go through um, all your options in terms of reconstruction? Did they, was somebody really thorough? In terms of that, whether yeah, I mean, my sur- my surgeon own. was pretty thorough. I, I also was a bit intimidated by the mastectomy and the the whole reconstruction process. I was pretty adamant about not having a lot of time off from school. Yeah. So I liked the idea of a lumpectomy being a lot less invasive surgery too. Right. But they did go through because I'm just curious because there's been so many studies lately about how women are not given all their not told of all their options, and obviously there's no right or wrong choice. It's just what's best for you. Um, but there's all these studies about how, you know, women are sort of told some options, like if they're told about reconstruction, maybe it's just the implant, and they're not told about, you know, using surgery using their own tissue, which can also be a kind yeah. of way to, to go. Yeah, to be honest, I don't really remember. It's a good ways back, <laughs> and I wasn't necessarily thinking through what kind of reconstruction? I know from more recently talking to people and seeing different friends' breasts and different friends' reconstruction and seeing a lot of the different results. Um, but at that time, it was more a decision of just the pure uh, mastectomy versus lumpectomy. So you were more sort of thinking if you had the mastectomy at the time, the breast would come off and and you know, were you maybe just not sort of psychologically at that place or did you just Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think the other thing was part there was a, there was a consideration even for a double mastectomy. Yeah. It was almost kind of one extreme or the other, either I'm going to do the lumpectomy or I'm just going to do both. Um and kind of the halfway in between didn't cross my mind as much. So why did they bring up the doubles? Were you did, did you did they did you did, did they find you to be a gene carrier? No, it, it was just kind of a if you wanted to be super aggressive, um, and it was not at all 
something I wanted to. It, it was just a little bit of. I think it might have come up out of conversation and saying, you know, what was would be the most aggressive type of treatment. And you know, as I talked it through and I talked to several different doctors about it, you know, both my doctors in Austin, doctors in San Antonio and Houston as well. And you know, I remember I, I met this doctor in San Antonio. He was a very southern, gentlemanly kind of guy, and he said, "Well, you have very nice breasts and." You shouldn't really. Did you take say away thank you? You have. And he yeah, said thank you. <laughs> you shouldn't really what? I'm sorry. <clears throat> he, you know, you shouldn't really. Um, he said, you never know. In five or ten years, if you do have cancer and it comes back, maybe treatment could be different. Maybe, um, you know, maybe there'd be something a lot simpler to do. And you know, why have taken off a breast that was, you know, perfectly fine at the time? Yeah. Well, and for my peace of mind, I mean, I also always have to acknowledge that for, it's different for everybody. And some people really need that peace of mind. But for me, the peace of mind was just, you know, take out the cancer, do the treatment, and let me go on with what I'm doing. It was it was more about how can I more quickly get back to my life. Right, right. So it sounds like you have. You've got a million things going on. I do. And yeah, you work and for Chevron. I have tonight. I perform uh, improv comedy. Well, I, I just had to get get into that you work for Chevron, right? Yes, I work for Chevron. They must be having a fanfare now and with with PR. You mean because of BP? Yeah, because BP is making you all guys look even better than ever. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was wondering so, why know, all these other have... oil companies aren't like advertising like we're not BP, and then just <laughs> have that be their ad campaign. You know, the truth of it is, is we're all in this together, and um, that's really the perspective that. Across the board, everyone's taken. They've formed some nonprofit groups to go out and work together, make long-term solutions. And it's, you know, while you are competitors, it's, you know, you also have to coexist in the same regulations, the same environment. And so really a, the collaborative solution is what's bigger. That's very diplomatically put. Yes. <laughs> I, I will give you credit for that. <laughs> what do you do for Chevron? Well, up until the end of this month, I work in marketing, and starting in August um, in Houston, I'll work for in business development for our pipeline company. Now, the actual company that makes pipelines, or in terms of like things you have coming down the pipe pipeline? No, actual pipelines. Um, okay. not, not, not so much makes pipelines, <clears throat> but we have pipelines all across the country that transport materials, crude materials, refined materials. Products. I just read that they cut the budget of the Alaskan Pipeline maintenance contract. Is that true? I have no idea. Okay. It's like 30 years old, and it's never been updated, and it's like leaking and all, all sorts of good stuff. Yep. Yeah. Like I said, I start in August. So. <laughs> <laughs> you said, Matt, that sounds like you. <laughs> what I, I 30 years old, leaking, and hasn't been updated. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Jack, for that. <clears throat> wow. So, um... Nomad is clearly true. Do you have? Do you know people in Houston? We have friends in Houston. We can connect you. That'd be sweet. I I would like to meet some cancer peeps. In we got a nice crew in Houston, though. We work with MD Anderson pretty frequently, and there's a nice yeah. group of folks out there. Yeah, well, I would love that. I I have some friends from business school, and you know, some coworkers and such. I want to know but, about boarding for breast cancer before we before we let you. It's go. a great group. It's a really great group. They are a great group. You know, they're the ones that helped me get into Self Magazine. Um, I did a 
snowboarding camp with them once. They're just really nice people, really into their cause. I, I really like them a lot. So they go out and you just you all get on your boards and go out together? You know, I haven't actually I've I've interacted with them online and on the phone and we've tried to meet up different times we're at the same mountain, but I haven't actually met, you know, the girls that run the shop. I've met um and when they did the camp, they had some folks from Burton out there, and I met all those folks. Oh, that's cool. So what did you do in Self Magazine? Uh, we did a, they, they did a promo of five survivor athletes in the October 08 issue, and so I had the, a full-page spread of me doing a, a jump at Squaw. And oh, it cool. was awesome. Yeah. They, and, and really, the Boarding for Breast Cancer people were the person that linked me with Self. Cool. May, why may, have, may why I, haven't I seen that, Matt? What? Boarding for Google breast cancer? Jumping at Squaw. <clears throat> Would you Katie. please educate my unathletic ass? What the hell is jumping at Squaw? That... <laughs> <laughs> um, so on a snowboard, going over a jump in the air at Squaw Valley Resort in Lake. Oh, Virginia. yes. Matthew's a big white Jew from Queens. He doesn't know from Squaw Valley. That's Brooklyn. Well, and I'm a big white Jew from Brooklyn. I'm just a little white. Although Jew I think Matt jumped for a bagel once. But. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. But I will. I will stop you all in your tracks. I was a a uh, a downhill skier from the age of three to twenty-two. So in other words, someone threw your what? little ass down the hill when it was snowing. I was elite. <laughs> I was a. I wasn't pro, but at school I was in in the the team, and I I skied from the age three to twenty-two. You jumped at Whitefish Mountain. Hey. That's Egg Salad Mountain. Wait, That's it? Nova Scotia Locks Mountain to you. Hey, I can top all of that. I dislocated my shoulder playing kickball yesterday. Oh no. Oh, you poor baby. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, it was not good. Hey, you know the only other thing is um, when I was in Austin, there were there was two other groups that really reached out to me a lot because I did the whole um, egg freezing thing. Oh, you did. Oh. Yeah, that's a big and deal. How does, big did, deal. Did they, have they nipped that in the time between your diagnosis and procedures? A lot of it was my best friend back home who was like, "Hey, you got to do this," and made some phone calls and found the right place. She found Fertile Hope, and uh, I was their Sharing Hope recipient. They paid for a lot of it, and also um, CAN, the Capital Assistance Network, based in Texas. They also help with um, covering the costs, but basically. Between diagnosis and starting chemo, I had to get it done. So I had the time of my surgery in there, and you basically you need about four to six weeks to do it. You have to go through one of your cycles, and I just made it work, just like I made sure that I could go to China in the middle of my chemo. You make it work. Another overachieving survivor. <laughs> You're making us all look bad, Katie. That's no, Matt. <clears throat> That's great, Katie. That's great to hear that you got that. We're informed about that and got it done. Well, yeah. you know, we, these segments go quick. I would love to have you back on when you're settled in Houston. We, 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 we do like to profile our chapters, and hopefully when you get to know our folks down there, we can have you back on for, for a full segment. I, I think that uh, you make me look really bad, and you make me look really lazy. And I, I don't Aww. like people like you. So the fact that I'm inviting you back on the show is a treat. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Maybe we can uh, go do something lazy together. We should do um, a bar crawl. A lazy boy yeah. for the cure. How's that? 
a sleep in for the care? Hey, we just raised eighteen thousand on a bar crawl. I'm all for bar crawls the, now. The two of you could be like John and Yoko. What? In bed. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa. That's what she said. Yeah. I just keep thinking of that Naked Life magazine picture of him and her arms or whatever right, that was. Right. Oh, wasn't not, that like Rolling Stone? That was yeah. bad. Whatever it was. Rolling Stone. Just not okay. But anyway, Katie. Thanks, Katie. Good luck Thanks, to you. Guys. Congratulations and everything. Thanks Bye, for all Nomad. the stuff you do on our behalf, and you rock. All right. Take care. Yay, Katie Nomad. Joswick, everybody. Hey, you know what uh, You know what was my aha moment from her story, Matt? From Katie's And moment? Lisa, yeah, was that she was conducting a self-exam and found something and went to the doctor. Well, there you go. That's what ha- that's what needs to happen. Very important. Unlike you, who conducts self exams and never leave the bathroom again. Yeah, shower is a good place to do it. Yeah. That's where you can feel stuff. Well, we have a very special guest on the line um, because uh, apparently uh, a lot of people uh, were very very pleased that I announced earlier that we raised eighteen thousand dollars with the Ohio Pub Crawl. Lo and behold, the woman responsible for making that happen decided to call into the show tonight. And it is my absolute pleasure to welcome back, because she's been on the show before, uh, the amazing, extraordinary, newly married, and fantastic Anya. Hey, baby. Hi. You are officially my favorite IT-wire. Can you totally hear smile right now? Because I can't even even get it off my face. This is ridiculous. I'm so excited. I had absolutely... 110% 110% no idea that it was going to be that awesome. That's an, And this was split amongst other charities, too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was split among three other charities. So they must have raised, like, $80,000? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they did. It was, yeah, it was split between, I'm sorry, two. There's two other, two charities. So, yeah, they raised a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, they have a lot of expenses that they have to take out of everything, um, but the fact that... We raised over $18,000. is amazing. And not to mention the fact that, you know, in one of the previous emails, he said, can't wait to work with you guys again next year. So that is well, awesome. There you go. You know what you I know? just learned from this? <clears throat> He's moving to Ohio. <laughs> that drinking for the cure is a viable fundraising platform. Absolutely it is. Why not? <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, it's awesome. There was over... Um, over 3,000 people in a vicinity of five bars. It takes up, um, oh gosh, I don't, maybe like two blocks of the downtown area of Columbus. So, I mean, it was just a huge, huge event. There was, you know, just tons of presence there. And, you know, the one thing that they told us that they could have used 10,000 more of were our buttons because our buttons were apparently a huge hit. So that was, that was awesome. Wow. All right. Well, they, they, they loved us. The buttons and stickers are big. Buttons and stickers are huge. Hey, Anya, were any of these bars located at the intersection of gay and high in Columbus? I knew you were going to say that. No one's going to get that reference, Jack. You keep pulling these things out of your ass. No one knows what the hell that means. My favorite intersection in the entire country (laughs) is in Columbus, Ohio, where Gay Street meets High Street. And whenever there's something going on that I'm in Columbus, I just say, meet me on the corner of Gay and High, because gay that's where high. I'll be. There actually is a Gay and High intersection in Columbus. That is true. I will I will corroborate. Yeah. And oh, I'll find the picture on Facebook, road. and we have everybody yeah. tagged in it. So then, yeah. of course, Jack, the question becomes, which one are you? Yes, which corner are you standing on? Uh, I like to be middle of the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, all right, this show has been listened to over 170,000 times. This is a call to action for anyone out there that I challenge you 
to go out there and do a crawl for cancer. Anya will be your Sherpa guide mentor on how to make this happen in your community. Go out there, drink your asses off, and raise us $18,000. And that's why they're all listening to the show, because they're all drunk. Yes. (laughs) You can't be... It it only helps listenership. Sobriety destroys listenership. (laughs) That's hilarious. Think think of how much money they would have raised if the people were sober. They would would have raised like $9,000 if they were sober. Uh, Anya's trying to talk, Jack. I'm you sorry. let people. I'm sorry. You let Lord. the lady talk. Anya, I love you. Go That's right ahead. Right. We're, talk- we're talking about drinking, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out why can't I listen to this show? Like, why isn't it working? And my computer was muted. So. Oh, you know, there you go. You gotta watch. You gotta watch out for that too. Now, I mean, just to just to wrap really quickly. I mean, we we just your your story, and it's very very relevant. And we just just did a, a show a couple of weeks ago on on bereavement. Yeah. You lost your husband, Michael. Yep. To cancer, how many years ago? Uh, three and a half. And Micah was a musician. Yep. And uh, yes. I've gotten to know his music very intimately. He's an incredibly talented musician. You have gone through a tremendous journey since his passing. Absolutely. And you're now remarried. Yes. Yeah, so I just got is... uh, re- about a month ago, actually. Well, no, gosh, almost two months ago. Well, you know what? You're going to get this. Mazel Tov! <laughs> Mazel Tov! Mazel Tov! <laughs> you didn't think I had that queued up, did you? <laughs> I love it. I definitely did not see that coming, no. Why uh, couldn't we get our Jewish rapper behind that, too? Right, hey, Jess, you want to rap a Mazel Tov here? <laughs> but in all seriousness, Anya, congratulations. You are, as Thank always, you. an extraordinary woman, and uh, we love you. you. And, and, and definitely bring your hubby to New York. Absolutely, and definitely kudos to the Crawl for Cancer team. They are just an amazing organization, and to, you know, to get connected, I certainly have the Ohio connection, but you know, to get connected in other states, just to go to crawlforcancer.org, and it's got every every chairman for every different state is listed on there with their email address. It's super duper easy to get a hold of them. Wow, you rock, yeah. girl. You, you take rock, care of yourself. Thank you so much. Thanks. Congrats All right, good job, gentlemen. That was extraordinary. They're great. I have a big shout-out to Columbus. Gay and high. Gay Street (laughs) and high street. Yeah. Lisa has some great news to announce. We're very excited about this. Speaking of Columbus, I didn't tell you this, Matthew. This is very exciting. Or You're going to announce our engagement tonight? (laughs) Why is it speaking of Columbus? Oh, sorry. Christopher Columbus. I thought you were talking about our news. (laughs) Um. This got picked up in the Columbus Dispatch. So we had a guest on here, Susan Miller. Yes, who did. Yes, who's a uh, breast cancer survivor. She wrote a uh, and performed in a one-woman OB-winning play, that's the award you get for an off-Broadway show, called My Left Breast. And she was a writer on The L Word and 30-something, and she does a web series called Anyone But Me, uh, Young Adults Post-9-11. It's a fantastic web series, and she's been on for two series, independently funded, and she is doing the first ever webathon to raise money for season three of Anyone But Me. She's gotten about five million views on the show. It's won all kinds of awards, the Webbies, the Streamies, all those web awards that you can win, and uh, huge uh, viewership out there. And so starting tomorrow for three nights, she's doing a um, three-night webathon uh, hosted by me, so uh, which is a lot of fun. So we did a backstage chat and interviews with um, lots of the actors, 
and um, people can donate. It's it's kind of like Matt. You remember the PBS pledge drive? Yes, You've I remember. Seen those. Well, like the Jerry Lewis telephone or the Jerry. <laughs> With hey, the lady. You're going to sit there and be like, roll, roll the numbers. Actually, Jack, I, I act a lot like Chero. Scream a little louder into the mic, Jack. Yeah. Want to override the system and explode the, the, the yeah. system. Yeah. Our listenership probably doesn't remember Charo. You know Charo. Charo is, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, it's not really like that at all. It's, um, yeah, it's like a cool, te- it's like a telethon, um, but it, it's super cool. It's over three nights tomorrow through Thursday. So you go to anyonebutmeseries.com, anyonebutmeseries.com. And check it out. It's a great, uh, it's a great show, and you'll see me uh, goofing around and having a good time and talking to the actors. Will the all Flying these... Karamasov brothers be there? <laughs> you know the Flying Karamasov I brothers? I so do. I'm that old. Wow. Yes. That's impressive. Yes. Yeah. I can't uh, keep up with you old people. <laughs> uh, uh, fortunately, they won't, Matthew. Okay. Yeah. Anyone out there who's older than the age of 30 will know the Flying Karamasov brothers. They are the, uh, the archetype Russian circus weightlifting you know, um, stereotypes that are juggling, in, in, juggling, and ju- juggling. Yeah. yeah, they're often like profile. They're stereotyped on the Family Guy. They're the two Russian guys. Yeah. Uh, what are the names? Like, um, I forget the names. Anyway, Street and Roy. No, no, no. They're, they're on not, a, but they're not Yakov Smirnov. No, they're not. What a country! <laughs> in what in Soviet Russia, radio play you. Yeah, radio play. Anyway, so that'll wrap up. So yeah, watch me goof around and see this. Anyone but me. Series dot com. Tomorrow's a Thursday. It's a lot of fun. Susan Miller, Cancer Survivor. Be there. So, uh, well, we're running late, but I want to just talk about some news. Um, and, uh, Jack, you have stuff to read. I got right? a couple things. Yeah, I can make it quick. All right. So let's just, let me just queue up the news here. Um, I'll just queue up the background music for the news so you can just play this part. Go ahead, Jack. All right. News. All right, folks, real quick. Here's your stupid cancer news. Starting with events.i2i.com. Events.i2i.com is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. All right, folks, during our hiatus over the next few weeks, we're going to totally give the Boof News blog a facelift. The Boof News blog is boofnews.i2i.com, and it's the official list of all stupid cancer news resources, including surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. I have some upcoming events here that I want to bring attention to. First off is the 2010 Live Strong Planet Cancer Retreat for Young Adults. It's happening in Austin, Texas, Friday, August 20th through Sunday the 22nd. This retreat is open to young adults aged 25 to 40. Enjoy your weekend amongst friends in relaxing, calm area. Areas will overlook in the country of Austin, of Austin, Texas. You'll have fun, eat healthy meals, and relax while talking to other young adults who are getting what you've been through. This retreat is both calming and relaxing. For more information, you can email retreats at planetcancer.org. Again, that's retreats at planetcancer.org. In New York City, August 19th at the Audi Forum is Fashion Fights Cancer. Fashion Fights Cancer is an annual event using fashion to raise funds and awareness for cancer research. Fashion Fights Cancer showcases the best of the best while also offering an inside peek into the world of fashion, which creates a total lifestyle experience. So again, Fashion Fights Cancer in New York City, August 19, 2010. The Leukemia Lymphoma Society is proud to offer their YA Connect Chat, a weekly online forum for young adults. 
YA Connect happens every Tuesday evening from 8.30 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is an open dialogue and support for young adults tackling the series serious and sometimes absurd sides of cancer. For more information about this, head on over to lls.org slash YA Connect. And finally, our Cancer and Careers BFFs are on the move again. They have some upcoming events in Los Angeles. Okay, they have one upcoming event because the other one passed. In Los Angeles, Friday, October 8th at the Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center. A free, one-of-a-kind conference dedicated to educating people coping with cancer, caregivers, advocates, and healthcare professionals about cancer-related legal issues, including employment, insurance, navigating managed care, estate planning, disability and life insurance, government benefits, and legislative advocacy and cancer community resources. And that's all I got, Matt. There you go. There's your stupid cancer news. All righty. There's only, before we bring out John, there is only one thing in the news that I, I found really interesting. I mean, there are a lot of things in the news I found really interesting. Uh, I guess we could talk about my trip to Chicago next, next uh, in September or whatever. Um, uh, but the story is now that the HPV virus, the human papillomavirus, which has been historically appreciated for being defined by a proximity to the lady parts, Cervical cancer. Yes, is now no longer confined to the lady parts, and that HPV is now responsible for throat cancer in men. And uh, you can take what, that what, as what? any sexually ridiculous, extrapolated euphemism that you like, but I don't believe that there's a correlation. But I think it's just incredibly scary to think that you can have HPV cause throat cancer in men at any age. And that's all I have to say about that. Yes. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't been, get it. It's been I don't scary know. and it's prior I don't know what we're talking about. Too. Just gets scarier. Well, I mean, I also think it opens the door to this idea that we're not really supposed to be about body parts anymore. If we, if we can move away from the eye, this organ was sick or this body part was sick to the whole... You know, the one thing we all have in common is our cells. And the human genome is consistent in every human. It's the one thing we all have in common. So let's stop with the this organ and this body part and that section and this area. And it's all about the genes and genomics and molecular medicine and translational research. These are things that I'm really on the bandwagon with. And, and anyway, I think this is just yet another nail in the coffin to basic standard body part specific research. End of soapbox. Thank you, Matthew. Yes. I, I don't understand the uh, the correlation between the two. That you said. No. Jack, I'll speak Jack. in single syllable words from now on. Okay. Blue. It's, wait, is, it, is this from like Bike. kissing girls or something? Is this like the cooties that my parents warned me about when I was five? Cheese. <laughs> cheese. I like cheese. You Clock. Yeah. Book. Microphone. Pen. No, that's multiple syllables. That's a lot. That's too much. Oh. Take it down. Coke. You had your grilled cheese earlier. Yes, he did. He did. And we're not I did have a grilled cheese for dinner, <laughs> didn't I? You did have a grilled cheese. And it was cut into four slices. It's a crust oh, for cut off. With ham. Always healthy. <laughs> anyway, we got some more guests. All right. Let's time to bring out our, uh, our next guest here. Green Onion. John Sabia is a four-year veteran, a four-year veteran 
of multimedia development whose claim to fame is that he's older than YouTube. After losing his father to a malignant brain tumor and glioblastoma multiforme stage 4, he took action by becoming a fierce advocate of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation and the Young Adult Movement. He is not only the director and executive producer of our documentary film project, as the founder of and president of Hillside Media, he undertakes scores of insanely complicated projects for such clients as MTV, Bravo, TLC, ABC, and I believe we're going to just spend the next 15 minutes talking about Jersey Shore. Please welcome to the radio show the amazingly talented John Sabian. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Lisa, Jack, John. Matt, such a pleasure being here, guys. I get, guys John, right, I get John right here next to me. Yes. Hello, hello. And he's a good-looking man. He's a fine-looking man. I try. Hi, John. Hey. And he's, yeah. uh, and he's taking Jack's mic away, so we can have a very mature conversation now. Yeah. Blue. <laughs> Bike. <Purple>. Pen. <laughs> Cheese. And uh, congratulations, $18,000. 18, I feel like raising my Dr. Evil pinky of the mic. $18,000. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Now, John, you and I met almost a little over two years ago. More. Um, when, I don't even remember when that project was on the roof deck. Uh, it had to have been the summer of 08 or something like that. It's probably 08. 08. And you were working for another cancer organization and another film director, and you filmed a segment that I was a part of from my own documentary, mm -hmm. and that's how we got connected. Yeah. But it just got the, that was just the tip of the iceberg of our relationship. Yeah. I mean, uh, basically, uh, I was trying to tell Lisa in the elevator here, and it got kind of convoluted. Uh, we have a very tangled uh, relationship, you and I. Yes, we do. Um, we kind of started off uh, doing the advocacy thing. Uh, I had the idea, Matt told me something, I had the idea that I wanted to start my own nonprofit. I wanted to do things. I wanted to get out there. Both my parents were diagnosed with cancer uh, four months. My dad was diagnosed with stage four uh, glioblastoma. Um, they gave him six months to live a quote-unquote normal life, and uh, then three months later I found out that my mom had stage 3 breast cancer. So uh, the whole get busy living thing, uh, I know that all too well. Yeah. Um, at that time I was uh, trying to um, get my girlfriend at the time to marry me um, and planning it a wedding. Worked. It worked. Yep, it worked. <laughs> uh, she finally succumbed to all my craziness, I guess. Your charisma and charm. Yes, yeah, something like that. Uh, but that's, you know, crazy cancer. We went through those years, as you know. And uh, I kind of came back to you doing a lot of different things uh, with um, my documentary, your documentary, Tanya but Griffin. I think it's important to note that I successfully convinced you not to start a charity. Oh, that was my point. Thank you. That's why you're professional, <laughs> and uh, I ramble on. Um, he said to me, don't reinvent the wheel. He, he said, get out there. You can be on your soapbox, but see what needs to be done around you in your area, what you can possibly contribute with your talents and skills and make it happen. And uh, that's what I did. Uh, I started my business, and I got things moving. And uh, you, are the, you are the anti-superfluous charity poster child. Okay, that sounds good. I'll, I'll, uh, I thank you. We're talking uh, a, lot of, a lot of syllables now that Jack I, I, I'm sorry to break it to you, but purple, red, crown. <laughs> it was very obfuscating of me. So pedantic. Superfluous. Well, yeah. I need yeah. a dictionary. You guys are smart. Yeah. Um, so tell us more then about your about what you're doing. Tell us, tell the folks about everything well, you're doing in your company. Well, basically, uh, I have a social media company, and uh, when it started up, um, I used to embed uh, this is for the web people out there. I used to embed videos on MySpace uh, and try to get my blog out there, my documentary out there, uh, and then YouTube was invented, 
and I started uh, studying it, seeing how things were going uh, with trends and marketing and trying to build that type of aspect of it. I got rid of the whole Facebook, Twitter thing. I have people for that, but I primarily work on building content, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, building content, branding people on the Internet and getting their message out there, making their footprint grow even more, and just really um, giving a face, uh, an Internet face, uh, or as I say, uh, finding a viral niche, niche. Uh, to any uh, people who want it. And, uh, and he is the Mac Daddy. He is the search engine optimization Mac Daddy. Well, that's you. Aren't you writing a book? I mean, you're the man. I mean. I'm not an SEO guy. Oh. No, no, no. Did yeah. I tell you the name of my book? Did I ever tell any of you the name of my book? Jack knows this. This is a total non sequitur, but not that I'm ever writing a book, but if I were to write a book, the number one thing that we get told here at I2Y is, where were you when I needed you? Which is great because we get a lot of user engagement. They, they now realize that there's a vehicle for them to help the next them because they didn't have us when they needed us. But my response is always, where was I when I needed me? And that's the name of my book. Where was I when I needed me? That's it's so very deep. Ah, layers. Deep. Yeah. Layers of, like an onion, yeah. like the Shrek onion layers deep. My head hurts. That's deep. Yes. Between that and superfluous. Purple crown. Just wait till I say perspicacious. Cheese. <laughs> Blue. <laughs> Day. <laughs> so you went through a heck of, so your father lived uh, a good they, life for, for about four years, About four said. years. Uh, he did the whole well, chemo thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, actually had a surgery at Sloan Kettering. They got about, they said, 90% out of the tumor, uh, and he went on straight chemo nonstop. Wow. And, uh, you know, it was uh, quite a ride. Lost the ability to walk. Uh, we almost lost him like five times, and uh, I actually documented all of that on tape. You've got all of that. Wow. And yeah. your mom? Uh, my mom, they were both in and out of the hospital. They actually have a joke. The only time they're able to see each other uh, is through dueling wheelchairs. Uh, because they're both in the hospital at the same time. They couldn't be in any type of, as you know, like a, the uh, unclean area. And they had to go meet each other downstairs in the emergency room. Wow. So it was kind of a very crazy cancer time. With yeah. We had. And you documented all of that? <clears throat> yep. I had my camera. I just felt like I had to move. I had to do something. I had to, uh, I don't know if it was a mechanism to not go crazy, um, but I had to look through the lens. And that's why I knew I could do good. Like Matt said, know that skill set and do what you can do. Yeah. And um, I just did everything I possibly could to try to be there for my family and give them um, a voice, you know, because there's the people like yourselves that are such warriors, survivors, um, that I had to do something. to that. Like, I don't have cancer, thank God, and I'm going to go get checked and go everywhere I possibly can now because of this. Um, but I had to let my parents – I had to get their story out there. That, yeah. that's basically what I had to get out there and show people that the caregivers, you know, it's a tough time, tough time. So how was it? How was it sort of documenting your own family? Was there stuff that you didn't notice that you would sort of go back and see on film when you watch the footage, or was it tough for you? Was it tough for them, or or, or not? Um, when I talk to other people in the business, I have a lot of different friends that have their own companies, media companies, commercial companies, and I said, this is what I want to do. I, I want to market them and get out there. I'm going I'm to, you know, change the world in some way, shape, or form and help uh, fight cancer. And uh, they're like, don't do it. Don't do it at all. How are you going to put your parents underneath that lens and dissect them like that and disrespect them like that? And I didn't look at it that way. Uh, maybe I was a little bit selfish in taking the camera and not really worrying about what they thought. Um, but I was looking at it as capturing every moment I possibly could of my parents and had them live forever. That basically was my goal. Yeah. You know, is to not ever forget them and have our story ring true so that other people can learn from my mistakes and what I, how I dealt with it. And, you know, did, you know I went through bats of uh, suicide, uh, alcoholism, drug use. You did. Yeah. 
Like it got Dr- really crazy. Directly related to your parents' illnesses? Yeah, when it got when it got crazy, I had to disappear. And yeah. again, that was the lens. Yeah. So uh, that's all on there. Uh, in an artsy way, though, you know, uh, that was probably actually the first time ever I've told anyone in the world that I've used drugs. Wow. But, um, you know, you got to do it. Yeah. Don't you have to drink every time I cry? Don't you have to drink <laughs> yeah. every time I cry? But the thing is, you're talking to an audience of cancer survivors, and we've been all on some heavy shit, too. So, <laughs> Well, that is true. The, the, that's, that's the idea is that someone like me that went through it, I don't know what you guys are going through, you know, and I still don't have any idea because the stories are always so different. You know what, though, that's interesting, you know, just to see you get emotional now. It's I can imagine because for those of us who've gone through it, yeah, it can be absolutely, you know, the fear is paralyzing. But I think in some ways, see, I know when I went through it, I often thought to myself, you know what, thank God it's like not my mom or not my sister because I would have to think of somebody who stands close by to a loved one that feeling of helplessness. I thought, and I don't know how the other survivors feel about this, but I thought at least I have some measure of control. I thought, well, it's my body and I have some control, so I'm going to take control over that. So I completely sympathize with you. I think to be kind of the the loved one standing there and perhaps feel that sort of lack of control, you're so close, but yet, you know, you can't get in there and fix it. (laughs) You know, you can't do it yourself. So I really... um, I admire you, and I can uh, appreciate what that emotion must be like. It was um, it was really tough because my mom wanted to do everything. Yeah. Like, I was trying to take care of my dad. We need to get him in places, find him care. Do, and I'm like, I'll do it, I'll do it. But while she was doing her chemo, port, she had infections. She had to go back. She was in at a hospital five or six times uh, during my father's uh, time in the hospital, as we discussed. And she just kept going. Like, she just it was the rock for everybody. Wow. So, like, it was frustrating for me because I wanted to help. I wanted to help so bad. So that's why the film had to happen. You know, that's why it's still in post-production, <laughs> looking for funding. Uh, but, you know, it's it had to be told. It had to be done uh, for my sanity, to be honest. Hey, let's have a webathon. We'll get it funded. Yes, let's, let's do it. Another webathon. Do it, and we'll get drunk yeah. on the way and do the whole uh, bar crawl. Hey. A bar crawl webathon. <laughs> bar crawl webathon. Yep. We could stream it. Yes. So just just to wrap up real quick, um, I want to get to Lynn, and then obviously you're you're a video producer. He's a he's a documentarian. There's a lot of commonality in what we're doing, and, and tonight's theme is Voices of Survivors, which is the name of his organization. But in, in the sense that it, it's it's sort of come full circle for you and for me, in that you have undertaken our organization's like core video content development. You you filmed hundreds of hours of footage of our survivors uh, from the OMG Summit to the Ungala. Um, talk about what it's been like to come back to this organization and, and really, you know, without having to start your own charity, here you are really actively, and you're seeing the fruits of your labor, the response to the documentary film, the response to the teasers. It's been extraordinary. When you, uh, it was kind of serendipitous. We were in each other's past for so many years, and uh, you were telling me you were looking at other people for the whole um, documentary filming it for you and I said hey man I'm here I'm doing social media now we could really get you a great package do something we could really make a difference and when we sat down and I heard your vision uh, I knew there was something there we have hours and hours of footage uh, that we didn't even use yet Jesse uh, my new uh, white Jewish rapper friend uh, we have so much footage so many amazing people uh, that we're really going to brand this and put this together and, and that's one of the things I want to discuss as well as what Hillside Media does is 20% right off whatever you're doing I don't care how big the budget uh, we're going to take 20% off and help you out with any type of thing and give you even more than you could possibly imagine. Because 
I went out and Matt wanted you wanted a certain look, and I hope I achieved that look for you. You did. Fantastic. I'm very rarely impressed, and you overwhelmingly exceeded my expectations. You scared the crap out of me because Matt either likes it or doesn't, and uh, <laughs> I'm so glad he liked it. Look, look, John does all this and Snooky too. Oh, we boy. haven't even gotten to Snooky. Uh, yeah, let's take a minute to talk about Jersey Shore. <laughs> That's, that's man, like claim the fame, right? We'll let, we'll let, then we'll ask Lynn when he's going to come back to Atlantic City. Cameraman on Jersey Shore? Yeah. You got all the stories. Yeah, one of the assistant cameras. I do some shooting as well there. And, uh, yeah, all the stories, man. They're, they're good people. I, I will admit that people won't agree with me, but they are good people. Well, you should just tell everybody quickly the, the video that went viral of Snooki getting slugged. Oh, the, yeah, that's, that's you. Yeah, yeah, that's the claim the fame right there. Yeah. The, the, actually, it's the shot that did not air. MTV pulled it. Uh, and the reason why they pulled it is it went all over the Internet virally. And uh, me and another camera operator uh, had the two shots. and uh, You actually had the shot of we Snooki getting, getting punched right punched. in the face. Yeah, it was mine. John Savio, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right. And you on that note, yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You guys All are right. amazing. So, uh, John, you're, you're still here. You're still in studio. Let's bring out our, uh, our next guest Stay here. This is a good theme song for him. Thank you. I'm from the OMG Summit. Yes, it's uh, it will be streaming on uh, Ustream. All right, Lynn Lane is the founder and executive director of the Voices of Survivors Foundation. He is a documentary filmmaker, photographer, and cancer survivor. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer two years ago in 2008 at the far too young age of, I think it was 41, he'll, he'll correct me, and uh, underwent a robotic radical prostatectomy in May of that year at Mount Sinai here in New York, and from the moment of his diagnosis, he realized that his life would never be the same. Utilizing his background as a documentarian, he saw this as an opportunity and a challenge for his work as well as for himself, and on November 25th of 2008, and we were right there with him, only six months after his own treatment, he launched Voices of Survivors as a project. And less than 18 months later, it has gone from being just a project to now an internationally recognized nonprofit organization with true global outreach. Please welcome, for the first time, to the Stupid Cancer Show, my friend and yours, Lynn Lane. Lynn Lane. Hi, Lynn. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, guys? Hey, Lynn. Hey, what's up, Jack? Are you in Houston right now? I am. I'm in Houston. Well, you got a new friend coming to Houston. Katie's uh, headed your way. I just heard that. That's awesome. Definitely connect us. It'd be good to meet another person down here. Damn straight. How the hell are you? <laughs> good. Are you putting on your southern accent now? Um, I don't think Jews can do a southern accent, but oh. I can try. All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, y'all? No, are <laughs> there. Go ahead. <laughs> Cletus? Ah, Cletus. There we go. All right. I'm done. Can you say damn crazy Duke boy? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong state. <laughs> no, that's like Kentucky dude or something, Alabama. I don't know. Duke? No, like Duke. Duke's like a hazard. Duke's oh, a hazard. Sorry. Yeah, that was Georgia, wasn't like it? Like Bog. A bad CBS cultural reference from the 80s. Yes, anyway. Lynn. Lynn, was I right with you 41 at diagnosis? I was. I was 41. Um, and. Prior to that, I had problems for about eight years, fired four doctors before we actually figured out what was going on with me. I was misdiagnosed repeatedly and finally um, went to the best doctors in New York. I went to uh, Mount Sinai and Dr. Hall, who's head of prostate cancer research there. Um, he figured out exactly what was going on with me. And then Dr. Samadhi was the head of uh, the chief of robotic surgery. 
he became my surgeon, and he's also on the board of advisors for uh, Voice of Survivors. He's a big supporter of what we do. Well, kudos on firing your doctor. That takes balls. It takes a lot of people, the different kind of personality to realize, like Chris Carr always says, that you're, when you get diagnosed with cancer, your company becomes Save My Ass Incorporated. Cover Your Ass. Cover Your Ass Incorporated. Yeah. And that your doctors are then your employees, and you have to vet them and hire them and fire them. Exactly. Yeah, you're the boss, and I think a lot of people need to realize that, that you are truly the boss of your own body when you're going through this. So uh, so two years later, you're well? I am NED. I had focal positive margins, um, so that means that we're not really sure. And so every three months I get tested, but right now I'm NED. And I had the other thing that I went through, which I put on my Facebook page, is I had a scare with breast cancer. I had a couple of lumps in my right breast that were fairly painful and uh, put photos of me online getting mammograms so everybody would know it's not that scary. You know, it's not just a women's disease. Men get it too. Lower Hearing percentages. more and more about men, yeah. I feel, recently in the news. I mean, we've always known that it was, that it was out there, but, um, boy, really, uh, Peter Chris. Yes, Peter Chris. Yes. Exactly. Very, very public about it. it. Was on CNN and a bunch of other shows talking about it. Right. Yeah, uh, so. so wow, but that was. Uh, but you were okay there. Yeah, we're you know have to continue watching it, and and I didn't know this until later, but uh, because uh, prostate cancer is a hormonal cancer, there's a correlation between breast cancer and prostate cancer, and they tend to watch that, but no one ever told me that. So wow. I just found that out in this process. See, there you go. Another argument for it's not about body part. Nope. Not about body part. Well, it is, but but in the long in the grand scheme of things, not right. about gender. What? Yeah, clearly, if you can get HPV in your throat and breast cancer in your prostate. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up. Prostate cancer in your breast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. Pro- it's two. It's it's a second primary. No, I'm just messing one. with my own we're, brain. We're, we're just we're just, uh, <laughs> just being clear. Sexes, it's crossing the cancers of the sexes here. Right. That's so, Lynn, one of the things I really admire about you is anyone can take a camera and shoot other people. Mm-hmm. And a gun. And a gun, right. Um, what? Shut up, Jack. Anyone can take a camera and film people. Oh. You took it to almost like um, I think you, you standardized it. You, you branded it. You made it something very innovative and consistent. And as one of the first people who was, I am, I am, I am one of the voices of survivors. I was one of the first, and Jack was one of the first, I believe. As I well. was 10th, and you were 11th. Okay. Go screw yourself. <laughs> and uh, it was, what? Where did it come from within your spirit to decide to make the format by which people tell their stories? Um, and can you talk us through how that's different? Well, I think that um, when it started out, I was diagnosed with cancer. I went online. I found a lot of organizations like you guys, Planet Cancer. And I think you and I actually met through Planet Cancer. That is true. Um, my background was documentary filmmaking. And I, did, I was an early-on video blogger. I curate, curated a few video blog festivals at the um, at the film not the film forum the anthology film archives in New York and uh, I was early on you know I'm in a few video blog books um, that were written and video blogging vlogging was really important to me and I thought you know I'm looking I'm seeing a lot of people talking online but I know what the power of, um, of the media and motion picture and audio is and so I thought, you know what, let's, let's start this. Let's do a little video blog of people talking about what being a survivor means. And a lot of times, what I, in fact, the very first person that I shot, um, he had a real problem with the word survivor, calling himself a survivor. He didn't see himself as one. And so we sat there for, you know, 
30, 45 minutes while he kind of went through this process of being able to see himself. Because I require at the end, you have to say, I am a survivor. And finding your definition and a reclamation of that word for yourself. And uh, so that's what we did. We sat, and he sat down and thought about it and thought about it. And he goes, yeah, I am a survivor. And he put it in his own context. It wasn't about whether he beat cancer or not, whether he was terminal or not. It was really about, you know, seeing himself and the way that he lived. And so we went forward, and then, you know, I shot some people, and we launched. I launched the project on November 25th. As, I mean, our initial logo looked like the American Idol logo. It was horrible. Um, it was just a little blog spot page. I mean, yeah, blog spot page. And uh, we just you know, continued on. And then I shot you guys and I got ready and went off to San Francisco and I got a call from a woman in Dallas or an email who I'd never met before and she said that um, her daughter was diagnosed with cancer or her friend was diagnosed with cancer. She was 27, 20? No, she was 23 years old and she connected, I think she connected with Michelle who was the second girl that I shot um, who was 27, young mother, pretty edgy, you know, alternative girl. And the girl who was younger was kind of an edgy girl. And she said that she didn't want to seek treatment. Um, you know, she was kind of took that punk rock attitude, like, screw it, I'm not going to go through all of this. So this woman somehow stumbled across the Voices of Survivors um, vlog, and she wanted to become a survivor. She connected with someone. And at that moment I realized, hey, this, this is actually more than just a video a vlog. It's going to be something bigger. So... Just so the, the question, of course, and yes, there has always been a controversy between what does a survivor mean. Most people don't like to be called a survivor until they're yeah. disease-free or until they're remission sure. or whatever cure means. Mm -hmm. But the word survivorship is kind of esoteric. Right, exactly. Kind of like, you know, it, it's like, you know, like the word home. Right. Home can be anything to anybody. And many you languages know. don't even have survivorship in their, in their language. So right. You know. So it's an interesting word. Right. So within, and it was invented um, 20 years ago. Most people don't know it was invented by the National Coalition for Cancer Survivorship, uh, which was founded by, ironically, a group of young 30-something cancer survivors in the 80s, and uh, including uh, Ellen Stovall, who is the former um, re recently retired uh, <clears throat> executive director of the National Coalition for Cancer Survivors, and... Interestingly enough, Dr. Harold Benjamin, who was the founder of the uh, wellness community. Mm -hmm. So survivors have been around for 20 years, 25 right. years, and mm -hmm. um, it, it's only now starting to become part of the vernacular. And, and with respect to that, what does that mean to you, and what do you want people to take from that meaning when they experience your art? Well, I think that when you look at it, it's really... I don't ever put a voice to survivorship. I think the voice of survivorship comes from all those that share their own perspective as to what it means to them. Um, you know, that's the part of being a documentary filmmaker. It's I just present the voices that people share. I don't influence them. I've never, a lot of people say, Len, why don't you go online and share what your voice and what your view of being a survivor is. And I talk about survivorship, you know, doing these interviews and stuff. But I don't want to contaminate the, the project and the mission. I want people to find their own voice and not to look at what I think it means, but really what does it mean to them. Um, and so that's that's what I do. We've had over 400 people now share their voices, and we've been in existence a little over a year and a half um, in every type of format from the written word, the small vignette survivor videos to the video conversations, articles, co-survivors. Um, everyone's really, everyone's voice is incredibly important to me um, and to the organization.
So survivorship is what people bring to the table and find for themselves. What surprised you the most, Lynn, with people that you've talked to? I guess what surprised me the most is um, when people have a problem with the word survivor. Um, I did some graduate film work, and, and I did a class called AIDS, Mass Media, and Cultural Politics, and I talk about this a lot when I talk about kind of the way that we're structured. And a lot of what I look at, there's a, an, a, a gay rights organization called ACT UP in San Francisco that really did a reclamation of a lot of the toxic words. Um, like they would take, like queer nation is one of the things they did. And they took a word that was toxic to them. And not that survivor's toxic, so I'm not drawing that parallel. But a word that was toxic and they reclaimed it and said, you know what, you're not going to use this word to hurt me. This is a word that I'm going to empower for myself. And so when I take the word survivor, a lot of times people say, well, I can't, I can't stand that. Um, I can't stand that word. I don't like it. It's too commercialized. It's too this. It's too that. So when I sit down and work with people and when they, some people have literally, um, a few people recently that I've talked to said, hey, um, that, that word I'm not going to say. I'm not going to call myself a survivor. And then after about sitting a half hour and just talking and listening to them and not influencing them, and then finding themselves, see themselves as a survivor when they didn't before. That's pretty beautiful, and I think that's pretty amazing. So that always surprises me. And what do you, and how do you, do folks come to you and they're, they're sort of eager to tell their stories, or how does that, how does that work? Both. It's, a lot of people ask me, you know, how do I share my voice? And the way you share your voice is you just do. You just reach out and say, hey, I want to share my voice. And every voice is important, whether you're stage one melanoma on your fingertip or your glioblastoma, you know, it's, it, it doesn't matter. Every voice is important. And a lot of, and, and people do say, well, well, my story is not that important. I'm just stage one melanoma. Well, stage one melanoma will kill you. It will turn to stage four conceivably, and, and it can be bad. So it's good for people in that place to share their voice or people who just start treatment because there are people out there who are reading and listening, and, and it helps them not feel so alone when they're going through it. So just reach out through the website or Facebook and contact me, and I would love for people to share their story. Do you find that it's a place uh, for any of the folks that you've talked to where they have an easier time perhaps talking to you who maybe they, I would imagine in many instances, don't know so well, or when the camera's there, then perhaps they can speaking to the folks that they're intimate with in their daily lives? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that people, I'm a character, you know, I'm kind of a goofy guy. I have a lot of fun. If you ever look at my Facebook page, I mean, I, my life's kind of a fishbowl. I don't hide anything. I say, I'm a survivor, you know, I went through cancer. I still deal with it every day, and, and this is my life. And I think that, you know, I want to be the guy who, yeah, I'm the executive director, founder of this of this. Um, foundation organization, but I'm a guy that you can talk to. You want to call when you're in Houston. If you want to call me and say, "Hey, let's have coffee," I'm down. I'll sit down and have coffee with you. Um, I'm really human. So the question I had is: is why a foundation? What were you doing in the past that you felt was the inclination to turn this into a charitable effort, like legally and officially? Um, the reason it became a foundation is because. It's not just what you see. We're in the process of growing. I'm unpaid. I don't receive a penny from Voices of Survivors. In fact, I pretty much fund Voices of Survivors. We've raised probably about $3,000, $4,000 tops since we've started this. The rest of it all comes out of my pocket, um, including travel, brochures, everything. Um, 
but now we're moving into a new phase, and it, I'll still be an unpaid guy, but it's, it's about providing grants um, to be other individuals and organizations to produce projects on survivorships. On survivorship, I'm, not, I'm sorry about that. And we're putting together a film festival this year. Um, you'll be able to register through Without a Box, and, it's, and we're going to have the premiere this coming spring at the River Oaks Theater. So we're about putting together grants for people and organizations to produce projects on survivorship and providing funding for them. Yeah. And, the, and this, is, so this, is this a full-time passion for you, or do you have other stuff that you do, uh, you do outside of Voices? Oh, yeah, no, no, I mean, it's, it's full-time in the sense that I pretty much do it all the time, but I'm also a photographer and filmmaker. Um, I do a lot of, uh, if you look on my page, I do a lot of fashion photography, kind of headshot type stuff, um, and my background is large-scale documentary films. So, uh, yeah, we might need some new headshots taken around here. <laughs> <Well, laughs> And Lynn, sign me up. Uh, this is John here. Uh, I'd love to hear your uh, information about my documentary I'm doing and uh, really help uh, as many people right as you can and uh, raise some money for everybody. It would be great. Cool. Yeah, HBO Yay, has money. one of my films now, and so we'll see how all that goes. Oh, and I must say, your uh, pictures on Facebook of your uh, breakfast and lunch and stuff make me really hungry, and they are amazing. Uh, I love cooking. Yeah, we yeah, have a cookbook amazing. coming out, too, so that's uh, pretty good. We're doing a cookbook that's all about using cooking as a – as a vehicle to talk about survivorship, having survivors submit recipes and, and talk about their own cancer experience. And it's just a kind of a neat way for people to share their voice and another experience. Jack, did Lynn really take that picture of you? The picture of my breakfast at the Livestrong Summit? Yeah, Jack, uh, Lynn, I think one of my favorite pictures that you ever took of Jack, and don't take this in any way other than just hysterics, uh-huh. was him eating three Giant um, three stacked chocolate cookies at the same oh, time. With my Remember that with, iPhone. Yes, with the crasher squirrel behind me? <laughs> with the yes, squirrel behind him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go down in history for a crasher squirrel jack breakfast photo. Yes, fantastic. that is it. That's your legacy. You can, you can <laughs> retire now. Everything all. else I've done pills in comparison to that I'm looking photo. at the, the picture on Facebook now, and it's got like 20 comments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There it is. <laughs> everything Very else I've nice. done just pales. Nope. Nothing matters. Nothing. So... So what what do you see as your long-term goals? I mean, how many survivors have you filmed already? Do do you have um <clears throat> like a um a wish list or a pipe dream or a a bucket goal for There's not no when it pretty much will continue on. Uh there's no number. Um we just posted the 99th survivor video. There's a very special 100th video coming up. Um we have over 200 written word pieces, and my view is it just continues going. Cancer doesn't stop, and so the voices won't stop. We'll just keep sharing. It's just incredible content that you've been generating that just would not have existed if you didn't initiate it. So just just really great stuff. And you, how do you find the people that you choose to profile? I don't choose. Uh, that's and, and I guess that's the key word is I never choose. Um, Everyone's story is equally important, and so if someone writes me and they want to share their voice, then they share their voice, and that's just that's my belief. I think that every voice is equally important. The only thing I ask is that when you share your voice, it's really about your own experience and survivorship, that you don't come on promoting a product, promoting anything. Um, it's just it's about survivorship because that's why people are there. They're not there to buy something. They're there, they're to find uh, that they're not alone. And you always know it's a VOS video when they start by spelling their name. 
That's right. Well, that's an old documentary convention. Oh, is and it really? Was, yeah, it's an old documentary convention. And the reason is, is after you shoot someone, so in the credits, you know how it's spelled. And so, like, a John could be J-O-N, J-O-H-N, um, J-E-A-N. And so it's, it's kind of just a funny thing to me. And another, uh, I think if you look on, there's a, a documentary show on A&E that does the same thing called, um, it's that drug show. Uh, uh, Intervention? Uh, Intervention. Intervention. They do it, too. They spell oh. their name, and they're doing the same thing. It's pretty funny when they start. We always did that in the news business, too. You just, you got a chiron, somebody gets spell their name right, so first thing you do. Yeah, and so I just leave it in there as just, it's it. just a continuity thing, you know. <laughs> but it's good. And I, I, for the record, I have not heard the word chiron. In like since college. Yeah, I don't think I've heard Chiron since college. <laughs> the lower, the lower third. Yes, the lower third. <laughs> yep. My goodness. What? <laughs> well, Lynn, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on the show. It's been a long time coming, and I apologize. We we really are in awe of what you're doing, and the fact that we we sort of feel like you're you're a, sort of a, a prodigal graduate of I two on New York City, and we're really proud to see you out there doing some really great things. Well, thanks, and thanks for having me on. You know, what you guys are doing is awesome, and this radio show is fantastic. I mean, well, I've listened to it since the beginning, and a lot of times I'm out, and I may not be in the audience, but I listen I listen to it on the podcast, which is great. So, And your website for our listeners? Voicesofsurvivors.org. That's voices, plural, and survivors, plural, dot org. Lynn Lane, thank you so much, my friend. I hope to see you soon. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, guys. You guys rock. Thanks so much. Lynn Lane, everybody. Voicesofsurvivors.org. Good stuff. Uh, We're going to wrap in a second, but Jack wants to make a quick announcement, and then I have something very, very very special to end our season finale with. So, Jack, go ahead. Okay. Well, first of all, as many people know, Spencer's uh, Stores is a major sponsor of our radio show. And they've launched their Boobies Make Me Smile campaign again for 2010. And our supercancer.com, given Cancer the Bird bracelets, are involved with that. And they launched an official Facebook fan page for Boobies Makes Me Smile Foundation. And they told us that if they, get, if they can get 10,000 people to like their page, that they will make a $2,500 donation to I2I. So we need everyone to go onto Facebook and in the search box type Boobies Make Me Smile Foundation, go to that page, like it, and then suggest that page to all of your friends so they can like it because once we hit 10000 we get 2500 bucks. Yes, we do. And we'd like to thank Spencers for this opportunity and for everything that they've done for us and continue to do for us. So now we just need your help to go to Facebook and then Search Boobies Makes Me Smile Foundation. You'll see the page. It's got the big logo with the big pink smiley face. Like the page, suggest it to everybody, and put it on your walls. That was surprisingly professional and articulate. Even with the word boobies. Yes. <laughs> you know why? Yes. Jack, I've never heard Jack be so serious. I know. Boobies over and over again. Because there's, there's money involved. Right. <laughs> and it's not my money going to the boobies. It's the booby money coming to us. Well, I have something to close our show with tonight. It is our season finale. We are coming back on September 13th uh, at 8 o'clock, our new time, 8 o'clock Eastern. 8 p.m., folks. Yes, 8 p.m. Eastern. But uh, we received an email into the show. Um, One of our listeners who have been apparently listening for an extremely long time uh, lost her battle with cancer um, after a a year-and-a-half fight. And uh, her mother, her mother sent an incredibly impassioned email 
to the show. And I, I really am, I was so moved by this. With her permission, I'd like to read this letter to everybody. And without making this sound like a, um, a, uh, an ASPCA commercial, I can play a little background music here because it's just too profound to, uh, to the stupid cancer show. I'm writing to tell you how important your show and your foundation is. My daughter Katie, 19, listened on her iPod on our drives to the hospital. She loved the show and would always tell me what you guys were talking about. Katie was diagnosed with ALL, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and fought hard for a year and a half. She passed away last month after a failed stem cell transplant. The chemo that she was treated with left us no options when she relapsed. I had to sit next to my 19-year-old daughter as they told us there was nothing more they could do and that a hospice coordinator was on their way. Several doctors told me that had she been treated differently, she would have had a, been able to have another shot at beating cancer. Because she wasn't young enough to be treated in peds and was too old to be treated with conventional adult protocols, that is why she lost her battle. I so strongly believe in what you do and what you guys are doing, and would like to thank you for all you do for those who don't have a voice, like my Katie. My daughter may not have been one of the lucky ones, but the day will come when it won't have anything to do with luck and everything to do with cure. Sincerely, Mary from Illinois. Well, I'm a hot mess. Wow. Yeah. That's a really meaningful and inspirational validation for why we do what we do. Yes. And tremendous for her mother to write that into us and um, share that story with us. Yes. It just... This is this is who we are. This is what we do. This is why the show is so important. This is why the young adult movement is so critical, and just it, it, it it's it's incredible. John, are you crying? I'm good. All right. <laughs> he's, he's had his tears earlier. Yeah, but just uh, I got to tell you, thank you, everyone out there, on behalf of myself, Jack Buffard, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Christy Sweet, the Blog Talk Radio Network. I cannot believe it's been six seasons since we launched in May of 2007. We are going on hiatus for August. We are moving into our brand-new I2Y offices next month, so keep your eyes peeled on the Facebook photo album of our progress. Um, I could not be more happy at this point in my life right now to have such an incredible team of people by my side, an incredible listenership out there who believes so much in what we do, who we are, and why it matters. And with that, I would like to close our show. Thanks, everybody. Good we'll season. see you in September. All righty. Jack Buford, Lisa Bernhardt, and I uh, would like to thank everybody once again. So now it is time for our awkward segue into a goofy closing sequence. <laughs> Here we go. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, Internet. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer.
All right, folks, that is tonight's show, concluding season six of the Stupid Cancer Show. I hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. I'd like to thank our in-studio guest, Jesse Hershkowitz, herbalist. Kate Joswicki, John Sabia, Lynn Lane, our guest tonight. We will be back in September at 8 o'clock Eastern, our new time, September 13th. Everyone have a fantastic summer. If you've missed any of our previous shows, they are all archived at stupidcancershow.com or on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast by just searching for Stupid Cancer. Remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. It's just stupid. We'll see you all back here in September. Live from the chemo deck, Jack Buffard, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stooping, and I wish you all a fantastic summer. Go to bed, Jesse Hershkowitz. Fuck her out. Won't hurt anymore. It's an open smile on a friendly show.